I had started out with a premise that outside of genre, a film could use the same tools as another genre to tell a story and use those tools well. The initial intent being to share the observation that great genre films, any genre films, would carry the same traits. There's a reason that stories well told can capture our imaginations, and it's because they all use similar storytelling techniques. My intention was to point out that a famously family-friendly comedy had the same traits as any good horror film, and that with just a slight tonal shift, a change in perspective, and perhaps a twist on motivation, it could very well be a horror film. That was my intent. Instead, and I think for the better, I ended up with a personal voyage of fear, anxiety, and self-exploration through the lens of a great American film. Looking at a touchstone of American family cinema through the experiences of being an adult, and how time has changed what a story once said to me, meant to me, represented for me. I started out with a premise, and I failed to communicate that premise. But in failing, I touched on something more human than I had intended. Something less academic and something more real. And it turns out, it said something to all of you, too. So let's talk about that. But first, disclaimer time! This is not a review show! This community is passionate, opinionated, highly subjective, and so many, 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 many times incorrect. We don't objectively weigh any piece of art on any merits. What we will do is argue about the things that make entertainment beautiful and share the art created for us to consume while we live our lives. Thank you for joining me because we will be discussing the adventures we have from inside the house. I'm uncool, I'm the Urkel to everyone's Bill Murray. I've been broke in every sense of the word. And I, I keep chasing my next high score Issues galore, I'm a walking, talking magazine We all know that nobody reads What's the use in words when they don't even understand me Welcome to Discussing the Adventures We Have from Inside the House A podcast discussing entertainment, how and why we consume it, and how it shapes our lives And more importantly, a podcast that celebrates the things we like even if nobody else does my name is Tim Riel, and together we are Nerd Incorrect, people who love entertainment of every kind and always seem to fall in love with the properties and art that don't always follow the crowd. We're going to start off with one of my greatest friends, one of the people uh, who has been helping me out in my life the most, and somebody who I can count on. Uh, and we are going to start with him <laughs> because he has an opposing opinion. Uh, and so I want to start with that. I don't want to end. Uh, I don't want to end on an opposing opinion because uh, I don't know. I don't know where this is going to go. I'm going to. I'm going to read his opinion, and and we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. And uh, I'm going to try. And I'm going to have to preface this. I am going to have to preface this by saying that I absolutely love this man. He is an incredible friend and an incredible person, and anything I say is not directed at his character or meant to insult him. And I'm saying these things, and I may not attack his character or insult him. I certainly have no intention to, but should something sound like that or feel like that, please know that that is in no way my intention. Um, we happen to disagree. 
uh, on this point. And so I'm going to disagree. Uh, and none of that makes me feel anything less uh, for this man. So, um, Suited Monkey, uh, one of my favorite human beings on the planet. Um, before before we I even posted the uh, the episode, before I even recorded the episode, I had I had said how uh, I was going to do an episode where I explained that Mrs. Doubtfire was a horror movie, and uh, and he had said, yeah, I totally agree. Robin Williams is absolutely the villain in that movie, and I was like, wait, what? What are you talking about? Because that is not my angle at all and uh, and he said no no like clearly he's the he's the villain watch it again he's definitely the villain <laughs> and i was like i have i don't know i i don't know if i could ever agree with that and um and so that was before i even record uh, bef- no i must i think i recorded it it just hadn't been posted yet uh yeah because i definitely would have had that in the back of my head while recording it <clears throat> so no it was recorded but it hadn't been posted yet um so anyway <laughs> Suited Monkey uh, believes that uh, Robin Williams is the villain of the movie. That said, uh, it must be made very, very clear that uh, I do agree that Robin Williams made a mistake. Uh, there was an error in judgment, uh, except that I do not, <laughs> I do not believe. Uh, he's the villain. I believe he was a, a <laughs> victim of circumstance and desperation. Uh, that said, Suited Monkey says, So while I see your point that a dad should do anything to see his children and everyone was against him, I still find it terrifying that he did heavy prosthetics, a wig, makeup, an entire costume to assume a false identity. And it wasn't even a rushed thought. He immediately went to his brother and partner, sat in a chair through multiple different fittings, and did a whole musical number. Add to the fact that they didn't see anything wrong with this, and I stand with the judge that everything Daniel did was beyond the limits of what could even be conceived as acceptable. It breaks my heart to see such a loving man denied, but instead of asking Miranda if he could take over, why didn't he go back to the courts and say, look at what I've achieved. I'd like to renegotiate, please. And then perhaps they could have had the week on, week off. I think it's only through the charisma machine that was Robin Williams that this movie was marketed as a comedy. This is a man that made Good Morning Vietnam stick in my head without ever having seen the movie. And with any other leading man, it should have been the horror movie you view it as. Even though you're nerding correct, we usually see fairly close eye to eye on a lot of these, but for once, I'm the polar opposite from you. It probably doesn't help that I don't have kids, and so I'm not seeing this from your perspective, but I agree it's a terrifying movie, but for different reasons. We definitely do not see eye to eye. Um, uh, I, it's... <laughs> Just a couple of points real quick. The idea that he dresses up in prosthetics, a wig, makeup, the whole costume to 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 uh, assume a false identity. Um, suited monkey feels like that is a breach in trust and and uh, and and overdoing it and being uh, and being absolutely dishonest and and terrible and awful. Whereas I stand with taking somebody's kids from them is evil. So <laughs> the fact that he was pushed to this limit, 
why why isn't that the the most the most disgusting thing why why is him dressing up to secretly see his kids more disgusting than the situation of not letting him see his kids that for me like i i will never get over that point there there are so oh, the, the, we're in a world where there we get we get amber alerts all of the time and then we find out that the amber alert is because somebody lost custody and wants just just wants to see their kids but are not allowed and the idea that first of all he did ask Miranda and it's it's so it's such a it's such a relaxed idea it's such a I, I don't want to say naive because I don't I don't think Suited Monkey is naive, but it's such an insane idea to me that you think you could just go back to the court early. Like there's an appointment in 90 days and that's when you're going to go to court. The end. You're not going to be able to go earlier and go, hey, I got a job. It's like, it doesn't matter. Your appointment's in 90 days. And by the way, because that appointment is in 90 days, you are not allowed to see your kids except on Saturday for a couple of hours because the court says so. And the idea that he should just sit there on his hands and be like, okay, I guess that's okay, is so weird to me. It's such an alien concept to me that he should have just done what the court said. And again, I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want to come off as, uh, of, uh, as flippant or accusatory or anything negative, but I've been racking my brain for a couple of, for, for probably the whole week, ever since, ever since I talked to Sam about this, I've been racking my brain over what, what I could use as an analogy for having your kids taken away from you. And I can't think of one. Nothing, nothing compares to the idea that somebody has taken your children. There's just nothing. I was like, oh yeah, it's like, first of all, it's, it's the frustration a parent feels when pet owners tell us that they also have kids too. Their dogs are just like their children. And it's like, I understand you love your dog. I understand you care for your dog. I understand you will do very much for your dog. Uh, I also had a dog. And I also loved that dog and would do anything for that dog. Uh, Except that when it turned out I was allergic, uh, we gave that dog away. Um, (laughs) I wouldn't do that if I was allergic to my kids. Um, It's so hard to explain the feeling that somebody could take your kids away. And yeah, I, it's the idea that he, that people believe he should have just done what the law said. He should have just listened to the judge. Look, the judge said that he shouldn't see his kids anymore and he should just deal with that. And how, How do you deal with that? Like, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't. 
I hate I hate flipping genders in arguments. It doesn't for me if you aren't already putting yourself in that position where like somebody shouldn't have to point out the gender switch. But if a mother had been told they couldn't see their children anymore, like that would be the discussion. Nobody would be talking about oh did she do some shady shit to go see her kid? No no they would be saying how do you take this child away from her mother. But nobody nobody did that for Daniel. Nobody did that for Daniel. The idea that Daniel is the villain in this is so laughable to me. Because, again, there is absolutely nothing I wouldn't do to be with my kids. Absolutely nothing. And put in a situation where... I'd have to break the law, do some shady shit just to be able to spend some time with my kids. Uh, like, look, I'm, I'm very aware that should something happen with my kids in the near in the future, I am highly incriminating myself. But look, I have a great relationship with my ex. I see my kids every other week. I don't have any issues there. I don't have any issues there. And I am still terrified of this situation it is the scariest thing to me there's nothing you could do to me that would be scarier than threatening to not let me see my kids anymore there's not a thing on this planet you could do to me that would come even close to telling me that i wasn't allowed to see my kids anymore and the idea that I would be a bad guy for wanting to see my kids, for doing everything in my power to see my kids. I guess, yeah, I'm a bad guy. Because like I said, I cannot think of another analogy. Because any other analogy that even comes close will sound ridiculous to anybody who doesn't have kids. But this is literally like if a judge told me that I was only allowed to drink water. I was only allowed to take any kind of fluid nourishment into my body only on Saturdays. I would not be allowed to hydrate until Saturday. I would not be allowed to eat until Saturday. And only on Saturdays. That's Sounds ridiculous. And if you don't have kids, it will definitely sound ridiculous. But every parent listening right now, and I certainly hope this is true, because if there's a parent who's not, who doesn't think this, man. But trust me when I tell you, not being able to see my kids, being told outright that you are not allowed to see your kids would be worse than not being allowed to eat except on Saturdays. Like, it, I'm, I'm, not even, I'm not even kidding. I am not even kidding. It's, it would be, a, a, look, it would be, it's a helpless situation. It's a completely helpless situation. And it would get to a point where I think, yeah, I'd be overly depressed where I'd stop taking care of myself and caring about anything. If you took my kids away from me, I wouldn't care if I was alive anymore. I, I, I like, and I don't want it to sound like I'm making these big statements, uh, like being overly dramatic. 
because because I I'm not and I don't want it to sound like that, but it's 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 hard to explain this feeling uh, to people who are like, yeah, we got kids. I got a cat and a dog. Uh, it's like, no, you really don't get it. You really don't get it. Oh God. Anyway, this is why I did it first. I did this first because, because <clears throat> yeah, I didn't want to end like this. Uh, and, uh, and luckily I think I don't. I don't know what their plans are, but uh, but suited monkey is with a wonderful human being right now, and uh, and they seem to be madly in love, and uh, maybe they'll have kids, and uh, and maybe maybe he'll watch, maybe he'll watch uh, Mrs. Doubtfire with his kids, and then uh, we will have a, a wildly different conversation, because I I know suited monkey, and I know for a fact. That if he, uh, when he becomes a father, he will be the type of person that does anything in his power to make sure he's with his kids and that they're happy. And then he's going to find it, he's going to find it laughable that he thought it was extreme to dress up like a British woman to hang out with his kids. He's going to think, that's the least, that's the least I would do. Uh, I truly 100% believe that. That being said, I agree with him. I don't think anybody else could have pulled it off other than Robin Williams. Uh, Robin Williams will only be the only Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, the end. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, so uh, again, I, I feel like it's, it's an inexplicable feeling. You cannot, it doesn't compare to anything. I've been trying, like I said, a week, a week I've been racking my brain to come up with an analogy for it to make sense to people who don't. Uh, who, who, who don't have kids. Uh, and like I said, this is one of my greatest fears. And this isn't a situation likely to happen to me. Like, I see my kids every other week, which, by the way, not nearly enough. Not nearly enough. I feel like a bad parent because I only see them every other week. I feel like I am not giving them enough of myself. Uh, <laughs> and if that week got taken away from me... Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what uh, what I would do with that. That being said, they are getting older. Uh, and I think I'm getting to a point where yeah, now that they can take care of themselves and they're going to be adults, uh, it's slightly different, obviously, because uh, they're going to they're going to visit dad whenever they feel like visiting dad. And it's probably not going to be that often. Uh, but they're still going to be there, and I'm still going to be allowed to see them, uh, making making the access to them uh, illegal. Oh, mm, I can't even deal. I couldn't even deal. Anyway, good thing. Let's start this off super uh, like that. But I need I needed to. I needed to. Uh, so here we go. Now we're moving on to uh, Lindsay. Uh, a lot a lot of other people um, uh, on the other side of this, obviously. Um, <laughs> I hope I hope I explained it well enough in the in the podcast where it didn't seem out of place. Uh, but yeah, uh, Lindsay from the Patreon, uh, she says, wow, Tim, that was intense. My anxiety is definitely heightened listening to it. I know way too many fathers in divorces who I know and feel are neglected. Uh, sad statement, Lindsay, uh, but I, I hear you. Uh, I also have some friends uh, who were not as fortunate. Uh, they didn't have a, uh, a great breakup and there are a lot of fights. I have a friend whose kid... 
um, his his uh, his ex wife decided that they needed to move for for love and family, uh, and so she now lives three hundred kilometers away from her ex husband, and he obviously has a job and a life there, and so obviously it's not fifty fifty custody, and so he gets to see his kid barely, and he is going through it, man. He's he's like he's he's planning on changing careers he's planning on doing a lot of things uh he's planning to be basically homeless he's he's like trying to find anything that will pay him and uh just so he can be close to his kids he's going to quit his career and he's going to move to a city he doesn't know and he's going to live go somewhere where he doesn't even have a job and it's just terrifying and the fact that she was allowed to is so ugh. So, yeah, I hear you, Lindsay. Uh, Lindsay goes on and says, uh, the kids would be way better off with their fathers than their mothers. I don't want to get into that discussion. Those That's always a, a very personal thing. Um, if, if something happened to me and they were with their mother uh, all the time because I was dead, um, they would still be fine. She's a great mother and, uh, and, and, and vice versa. So uh, there are situations, obviously, where... Maybe the moms are a little uh, <laughs> unhinged or not great uh, uh, parents. I certainly have uh, seen some situations where uh, people uh, that the mothers are mothers in name only. They like being a mom, but they don't like the job of being a mom. Uh, and so I've seen that where the fathers are really frustrated because uh, the kids don't really spend any time with their mother, but the kids are used as a tool to... Uh, get more out of the father in the divorce. And uh, yeah, I see a lot of really scary stuff uh, with my friends and peers that luckily I don't have to deal with. Um, I never liked how he was treated in the movie, even when I was younger and saw it. I always thought it was unfair and felt sad for him. I noted for uh, I rooted for him and celebrated him for what he did and actions he took with the car, the run by fruiting or whatever. And when he was stern and telling his kids to sit down when they were eating dinner just because their mom arrived early and honked her horn that she was there, good for him. Um, <laughs> I'm going to slightly disagree a little bit here, Lindsay. Um, I made very, 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 very sure to not speak about um, the Pierce Brosnan role, um, the, 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 the new boyfriend. Because I don't like the way Daniel acted about that. <clears throat> he was bitter, and, uh, and I mean, it didn't... Neither of them played this well enough. It was like in it was in the text, like the dialogue said it, but the feeling was never really there. But Daniel is supposed to want to get back with his wife and bring the family back together. Although the feeling and the chemistry is never really there. It's just really things he says. And so the him trying to break up uh, the new boyfriend uh, to, to scare off the new boyfriend is supposed to play into that storyline. Although... Yeah, I've never, I never really felt like Daniel actually did want to get back with Miranda, <clears throat> other than he said it. Uh, but I didn't want to speak about the Pierce Brosnan role because I don't like his actions there. It's just petty, and he's and and he's just being a baby. And it's like, look, she's, it sucks, but uh, it doesn't really affect uh, your your goals here. <laughs> it's. The fact that she dates another man isn't going to stop you from seeing your kids. She's stopping you from seeing your kids. Um, but 
that scene where the first time they're at his new apartment. Uh, so that's what Lindsay's talking about. The first time they're at the new apartment, um, she's parked outside the apartment building and honks her horn while they're eating dinner. Doesn't even come up to come get them. Uh, just honks the horn. And, uh, and they're like, oh, that's mom. We need to go. And that's when we find out that she's an hour early. So first of all, that freaked me out because I'm like, he gets to see them on Saturday, but like not, he doesn't even like, it's not like 24 hours. It's like, I get them Saturday and you come pick them up on Sunday. It's literally, I will drop them off at some point on Saturday and then I will pick them up at some point on Saturday, which is like, what kind of fucking visitation is that? That's insane. And then again, even more angry. It's like, really? Not only do I only get to see them on Saturday, but I only get to see them for a couple of hours. And then it turns out that she dropped them off late and she's an hour early. And it's like, why is, why does she think that's okay? And then she comes up and she's upset because they didn't come running out to the honking of the horn. And then she's like, he's like, I've still got another hour. And she's like, yeah, but I have errands to run. And it drives me nuts because if she thinks that her errands, like, how do I put this? I, I have a firm belief that people believe other people think and feel the way they do. Like that's their first reaction. You assume that another person would think and react the same way you would in any situation. And so she goes up and she's like, yeah, I need to run errands though. So I'm going to pick them up early. And she thinks that because she's like, oh, it's going to be fine because he doesn't actually want to hang out with the kids. And that makes me feel like that's the same way she feels. It's like, I like that the kids are there, but like it doesn't bother me if they're not there it's not a big deal and so it's probably not a big deal for Daniel they're probably just annoying him anyway and that just lets me know that this is the type of mom who is like annoyed that she's got to take care of these kids like she could have picked them up after the errands but she didn't because she's like oh I got to pick them up before a certain time or Daniel will be angry because I'm definitely cutting into his bachelor time or something like there's, it never occurred to her that she could be late, leave the kids with Daniel later because she felt like that would annoy him. And she felt that that would annoy him because it would annoy her because it would cut into her plans. I do not have a high opinion of Miranda. <laughs> Let's just straight, straight on. I do not have a high opinion of Miranda. She got a, she got a lawyer that told her that she wanted full custody, and I don't think she ever wanted full custody. And then when she gets the full custody, she's like, "I need to hire help because I'm never home, and I kind of don't want to be home. I could cut my hours short at work and come home early and make dinner and be with my family, but instead I'll get a maid so I can keep working. And so I never see my kids. I'm never there with my kids. Uh, but as long as they don't get to see their dad, then I've won. Like, oh, mm, mm, do not. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is going to be, oh, this is going to be a weird discussing. I don't know. <laughs> mm, I don't know if people are going to like this one. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was insane to me. And again, I'm in a very good uh, situation where that is not something that happens to me, but, uh, because I'm in a situation where that could have, I've got a lot of empathy. Um, also from the Patreon, uh, stupid monkey, uh, comes in and says, uh, I don't have kids at best. I'm the fun uncle. And even with that significantly lesser relationship, 
It's hard to even imagine a situation that would limit my access to my niece and nephew. I can only imagine the infinitely harder and devastating situation if they were my own children. I haven't seen Mrs. Doubtfire in years, since well before our beloved Robin Williams passed, and I'm choosing not to rewatch it because, quite honestly, after hearing this podcast, I would like to keep my memories of it as they are in my head. This is a scary thing to think about, especially as someone who comes from a divorced family. I am very lucky that my parents divorced while I was significantly older than the kids in this movie, and they are very close to this day. The knowledge that this is a situation that may have and still could happen to you must be truly horrifying, Tim, and I'm sorry you had to go through it. One of the things you said is that you wouldn't want to know a father who wouldn't go to these lengths to see their kids, and I completely agree with you. I also want to point a spotlight on another character. Robin Williams' brother Frank in this movie not only goes along with this plan, but offers all of his skills to accomplish it, and he does so seemingly without judgment or question. While I may not be a father, I am a brother, and I can honestly say that if this were my brother going through this situation, I would absolutely be doing everything I could to help him see his kids. And we also see Frank help his brother without ever seeing what his relationship with the kids is. We don't know if he's the cool uncle or the weird one or no one talks about him or whatnot. We just know he's here to help his brother, and that is awesome. I feel like there's more I should say here, but honestly, I'm speechless, metaphorically speaking, seeing as I just wrote a newsletter. And I offer all my friendship, love, and anything I can offer you for going through this. And you've also made me want a Roomba, you bastard. (laughs) Everyone should have a Roomba, and you should get one for every floor of the house. Um, Thanks, man. Um, Again, uh, I want to be very, very clear. Uh, The fear of this happening to me is a self-imposed one. It's an anxiety that lives within me. There is nothing in my life that... uh, (laughs) That... uh, That... It's not a, it's not a foreboding feeling. Uh, it's not a thing that likely will happen. It could happen. That's where my anxiety lives. But uh, like I said, my kids love being in my life, and uh, my ex and I have a good enough relationship uh, that uh, we're not going to deprive our children of anything. And it's also not a tool to uh, uh, for leverage. So it's not. Uh, <laughs> but. If, if, uh, if things had gone a different way, it wouldn't be, nobody would be on my side is the point. There would be a couple, obviously there'd be people on my side, but what I'm saying is people are surprised to hear I have 50, 50 custody, which is weird to me, which is absolutely weird. And actually, I think we're going to get into that. Um, so we go over to the Discord, and Janathi was over on the Discord, and then this started a conversation with Kylie B and myself, and so we're going to go through this a little bit. Um, over on the Discord, Janathi says, uh, I was neither caught off guard nor laughed at the idea that he should get alimony. Um, that, is, that may be true, Jen, uh, but you are of a small minority. Um, the idea, it never even, nobody, when I brought up the idea, I was talking to a bunch of people about it and I was, uh, talking about it and we had all watched it recently. I I had to rewatch it, which was really, really hard to be able to write, uh, with, with accuracy, which by the way, nobody caught, but I think in my intro, I said he has two kids, uh, when, uh, it's supposed to be three kids. And I think it's because while I was reading it, I was really in my head trying to get the emotion of me into it that I accidentally... (laughs) I accidentally put my features uh, instead of Daniel's features. So obviously he has three kids, not two kids. But anyway, more to that point. Um, 
when we were talking about it, um, and I brought up alimony, uh, it stopped people in their tracks. Because it's like, first of all, it's bad enough. It's bad enough that, oh, you don't have a job? Well, then you can't have kids. Like, that was bad enough. But then when I pointed out, you know, when a mom doesn't have a job, there's usually alimony so that they can maintain the lifestyle so that the kids and everybody else can still live the same way. And that that stopped people in their tracks. They were like, oh my God, yeah, that is true. So why... Wait, why is him not having a job even a fucking conversation? She's doing well enough. She can pay alimony. Also, he's going to get another job. It's not the end of the world. But yeah, anyway. Um, but yeah, it's it's so but again, we uh like I said in the in the podcast, it's important to note that these are script writers. They have an idea, they have a storyline that they got to put through. And so you've got the conceit. And the conceit needs a little suspension of reality in certain places. Uh, some things will have to be illogical just so we can put Robin Williams in a fucking costume. <laughs> uh, that's the movie. The premise is dad dresses up as a lady uh, to be with his kids. Um, I haven't read the original book that it's based on. Uh, I believe it's a, it's a French book. Uh, but I, I'd like to track it down and see what the novel does. <clears throat> and if it's a little bit more serious, if it really, because I feel like it would probably explore uh, <laughs> what the aspects that we're talking about, the, the, the being a father and uh, being taken away from your kids part. So anyway, uh, she continues, we need to get out of this antiquated gender norm. Some women shouldn't even be allowed to raise kids. Anyway, rant over. And, uh, <laughs> again, I'm not going to get into the man versus woman thing. I'm coming at it from my own perspective as a father, realizing that, uh, the reason that I have this fear is not, it's not an irrational one. The world that we live in would, would happily take my kids away from me. And when that happened, a lot of people would tell me to stop complaining. <laughs> um, a lot of people would be like, it's not a big deal. Just go back to the courts and ask and just try and do better. Like go back to the court and say, say you got a job and you know how to clean now. Uh, and, uh, and again, I have to be like, why, 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 why is that? Why is the onus on me? Like if I had gotten full custody, Everybody would be up in arms that my ex-wife didn't wasn't allowed to see her kids. It would be front page news. Anyway, let's let, anyway, let's keep yeah, rant over. You're absolutely right. Uh, yeah, the whole thing with Miranda gets full custody, doesn't have time to do all the parenting, and doesn't have time to do all the parenting things. Yeah, that's that really that just bothered me. I'm like, really, the first thing you do when you get full custody is hire a nanny so you can stay at the office longer. Like, oh my God. It's like, look, look, uh, I'm a single working mom now. Uh, I don't have time to clean or make food or, and by the way, who was doing that before? Cause the whole, the whole conceit is that Daniel can't have the kids, uh, because he doesn't work. He also doesn't clean. He doesn't make food. He's not a good, he doesn't keep a home. He doesn't know how to do things. And so he needs to get himself an apartment and a job and show that he can clean and cook for his kids. So who the fuck was doing it before? 
Was it Miranda? Was Miranda coming home and cooking? Were they getting takeout all the time? Like, what What changed? Why? What changed? What changed? That's the real question. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pause here for a second just to let everyone know that I 100% agree that they didn't have a good relationship. That Robin Williams' character, Daniel, was not a good partner for Miranda, and vice versa. They were not good partners for each other, and it got bitter and weird. Okay, so I'm not saying that he's the hero and she should have forgiven him and let him do whatever the hell he wanted. They were they shouldn't have been in the relationship anymore. That's clear. All right, back to Janathi. Uh, there's nothing wrong with Daniel being a stay-at-home dad if she's busy all the time. And I haven't seen the movie in quite a while, but it definitely feels like Miranda just is kind of angry and thinks Daniel is a bad influence. Having loving parents is important. The kids don't care if the parent has a job. The whole he has to get a job to be able to see the kids feels like some capitalist bullshit. Ah, uh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, you want to see your kids, you better go make a billionaire some more money. If you aren't making the government and the billionaires more money, then you're not even an asset to society. Ah, uh, yeah, shut up, whatever. But I get you. Anyway, we're not going to get into that weird shit. Uh, but then Kylie responds, uh, wouldn't having him around to watch the kids while she worked have been beneficial anyway? And Jen says, yeah, he'd do all that stuff for free so he can hang out with the kids and she could do her work stuff. And that's why it feels like she's just being petty. Uh, <laughs> and that's when I, I came in and said, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, later on in the movie, we find out uh, why she doesn't want that uh, and why she didn't speak up in court. Uh, so the reason... Uh, she doesn't want him to uh, to see his kids ever. Is um, uh, she was angry at him? That's it. That's the whole thing. That's the reason. Uh, <laughs> she was mad at him. Um, she broke up with him. She divorced him, uh, and then she took his kids away because she was mad at him. Um, again, he had his children ripped away from him. But she was upset that she kind of looked kind of bad. She didn't like being, she didn't like being mean, mom, and so, and so that's why that's why she did all the things she did. She was mad, and I get it. I get it. I mean, if somebody had hurt my feelings or made me look like I was kind of being mean to somebody, I would definitely take their kids away from them. Anyway. Um, yeah. So Jen says, yeah, that's what I thought. Like you make him, uh, you make him and the kids suffer cause you're angry. Uh, if you have the kids, uh, if you have kids, the kids needs matter the most. If you can't do that, you shouldn't have kids. And I agree with that. I don't think that's the situation these people are in, but I agree with that. Um, and then, yeah, I was pointing out that, uh, uh, yeah, she was very angry at him because she always felt like she was a nagging uh, person like she felt like she was always bad the bad cop and she was in and that it was Daniel's fault that she was always a bitch uh, and it's like yeah well I mean that's still a choice that's still a choice because again uh, there's probably a lot and there's probably a lot worse that happened before uh, before in these characters lives but the scene where they break up 
he's having a birthday party. That's it. And she finds out about it because the neighbor doesn't like that the goats that he rented for the birthday party are eating uh, uh, flowers. And uh, all, everybody's inside dancing, and they're dancing on the furniture. Uh, and that's why, uh, uh, that's why Daniel is a t- terrible, horrible person. It's not because Miranda didn't come in and go, okay, uh, this is a bit much, but since everybody's here, let's all dance on the furniture. Let's all celebrate my son's birthday. Let's all have a great time. Uh, and uh, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to regret having to clean this up later, but you can go into that situation. Nothing bad was happening. It was just a raucous party. And it wasn't an out-of-control one. It was it just made me so sad that and again, it's it's it, it's over the years, you get frustrated and you check out. But to get to a point where you walk into your child's birthday party and your first reaction is to be upset that people are dancing on the furniture and to shut everything down. Um yeah. I understand there is no more joy in your life, uh, but God damn. So yeah, that anyway, she was very upset that she got turned. She, she got turned into that person. And, uh, and I get that as a, as a childish person myself, uh, some people, uh, uh, some people, uh, some people that I've dated, uh, some people that I've been with, uh, some people that I know, they, uh, they believe that you can't be an adult and be, ridiculous uh which makes me sad (laughs) it makes me very sad it's like look my house is clean the dishes are done sometimes they're not sometimes we decide to have fun instead of doing chores but we have we get to the chores eventually joy is just as fun if you've decided to hate joy that's on you that's I didn't make you do that. And the idea that one person is like, well, if I don't do it, then no one will. It's like, then do it. Just do it. If it bothers you, do it. This whole idea that there's somebody like some people choose to be the strict parent. They're the ones who come home and they're like, oh, my God. What's this huge mess, guys? Nobody even did the dishes. It's like, why why do you come in with a list of things? Just come in. Have a good time. If the dishes are bothering you, do the dishes. How many times have you... Roommates, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, people you're dating, people you live with. How many times have you been in a situation where somebody has said something like, I thought I told you three times to take the garbage out. Like, that's a weird sentence to me. That sentence tells me that twice you saw that the garbage needed taking out and you did nothing. And yet somehow I'm the bad person because I didn't take your orders. Like, there are people who choose to be miserable. When something bothers me, I take care of it. The end. If the garbage is full... And I, I'm like, oh man, the garbage is full. I take it out. It's not there because I'm leaving it for other people. And I certainly am not going to be the person who makes a list for somebody else to do. 
Anyway, God, we're getting we're getting way off the tracks. Well, what I'm saying is some people choose to be. I need to <laughs> I need to mute this. Uh, some people choose to be the adult. And if you choose to be the adult, then you have decided to ignore joy. And that's on you. There's nothing I can, there's nothing I can do for you. There's nothing I can do for you. You can be an adult and have joy. And had there been any communication between Miranda and Daniel, it would be fine. We're going to get into that. I'm pretty sure this is coming up. But like I said, Miranda could have come in, said, Daniel, we need to talk real quick. The neighbor says a goat's eating her her begonias. The neighbor is mad that the goats are eating the begonias. So let's go talk to the animal wrangler and make sure that he wrangles the animals. And then uh, let's go in and I'm going to beat you at this dance competition. And then later when the kids are in bed, we are going to have a major discussion about, (laughs) about this. But hey, party's a party. Cake is cake. Let's do this shit. Uh, maybe I'm just projecting. That's the type of person I want to have in my life. I want somebody, when I come home, they're doing something ridiculous. And I want somebody that when I'm doing something ridiculous, they come home and they join in instead of being annoyed at the childishness and how they're the only adult. Oh my God, this is, I don't even, got, if you've made it this far, congratulations. You shouldn't listen anymore. This is a terrible, disgusting episode. We are going on so many tangents. But I, I would like to hear from you guys. If you, if you, if you are, if, if anything I said has angered you or inspired you or anything, come over to the Discord. Uh, the links are everywhere. Uh, and if you can't find them, then find me, Tim Riel or Nerd Incorrect or Codenames Live. Find me on the socials and come track us down and come talk to us uh, in, in, our, uh, in the Incorrection uh, Discord channel and the Discussing the Podcast channel. Uh, and, and yeah, let's, let's, let's keep talking about stuff. Like let's, let's be there for each other. Let's do this stuff. Anyway, back to Jen and Kylie. Oh, here we go. Uh, Kylie says, isn't that kind of narcissistic? I'm mad because I'm a bitch and you made me look like a bitch. So now you and the kids got to suffer. And then I said, yeah, she was supposed to be the hero, not him. <clears throat> and, and, and then it's back to, well, she should have told him the plan. And yeah, I talked about it in the podcast. Um, and it was the, it was the most recent viewing of Mrs. Doubtfire where I actually caught it. Cause I don't think I caught it before, but when they're at the party and Miranda is yelling at Daniel, she actually tells him that she had made a cake and gotten presents and was going to have the birthday. And that, now that's all ruined because he did a birthday party behind her back. And she could have told Daniel. She could have told Daniel. I understand that we are supposed to see Daniel as the irresponsible, shitty husband and that Miranda has every right to be mad at him because he doesn't communicate and he's selfish and he just does things and he doesn't take her feelings into, into consideration. But she told Daniel and the kids that there would be no birthday party because her child isn't doing well in school. And I've already talked about how I think that's a terrible idea, but some parents might be okay with that, so that's fine. If that's the decision you guys come up with, then great. But then she decided that 
because she loves her son and she wants him to be happy, that she will surprise him and actually have a cake and presents and not cancel his birthday party because she doesn't want him to be sad. Although it's self-imposed, you're the one who decided. Nobody else decided. But anyway, um, she is also married. She is also in a couple. Daniel had a party behind her back and it was wrong. It was wrong and they should have talked about it. And it was a betrayal of trust. And Daniel was absolute, it was inexcusable, inexcusable to do that without talking to his wife. Just like it was inexcusable that she didn't talk to him. He didn't know there was going to be a birthday party. It seems like she decided there wasn't going to be a birthday party because his grades were bad. I don't think Daniel would have agreed with that, but she unilaterally decided that she canceled the birthday. My child will not have a birthday today because his grades are low and there's no discussion. None. Because there's no way Daniel agreed to that. And if he did, it was like, well, there's no point in arguing. You've already decided. And so he did a party behind her back. And then she was going to do a party behind his back. There could have been a discussion there. There could have been a discussion where she said, look, I just want to, I just want to put the fear of God into him. I want him to know that there are, there are repercussions for his consequences. I want him to spend five or six hours today feeling like he's not going to have his birthday party because of his grades. I want him to understand that there are, that these are the, that these are the consequences of his action. I want, I want him to feel that, but I don't want him to suffer not having a birthday party. It's important for me to show his love. So during the day, he's going to believe that there isn't a birthday party so that he understands. He understands. He gets that feeling. He builds the blocks of empathy and sympathy within himself so that he can understand the importance of things and also how things feel and to have that memory of knowing, look, there. if I don't do well, bad things happen, blah, blah, blah. Again, I don't agree with the approach, but she could have talked to about it. And then talk to Daniel. Just talk to Daniel. Hey, Daniel, we're going to let him sit in it for a little while. And then at supper, we're going to have cake. I thought I muted this. We're going to have cake. And we're going to have presents. We're going to invite some people after dinner. We're going to have a fun party. But we're going to let him stew in it a little bit until then. Okay, cool. Since we're a team, since we're married, since it's a partnership. Uh, and she did not do that. She did not tell Daniel she was going to still do the birthday party. I think you should take the kids away from her. I think what a terrible human being doing that behind her husband's back. She definitely doesn't deserve kids. And yeah, I may be being facetious, but I've had people tell me that he was a bad dad because of what he did. And I'm telling you right now, he most certainly was not. He was a bad husband. He was a bad partner. He was definitely a bad role model when it comes to being in a relationship. But Daniel was not a bad dad. 
God damn, it makes me so angry. Oh, oh, I knew I knew this was going to. Oh. <laughs> anyway, Discord. Go check out the Incorrection Discord and come talk to us in the Discussing the Podcast uh, uh, thread, which is where I'm reading this from, by the way. So let's keep going. Um, and then Jen says, and then it's back to, well, she should have told him the plan. Yep, there should have been communication. And then Kylie says, uh, my cousin just went through a divorce and thankfully it was amicable and he still gets to see the kids. Isn't that a fucked up sentence? Isn't that, isn't that a crazy sentence? Does nobody see how crazy it is that that's a normal sentence that you can say? Thankfully, it was amicable and he still gets to see the kids. What the fuck, man? That's crazy. That's crazy that that is a sentence that the first time I read it, it didn't even seem strange. Yep, her uh, her and her husband got divorced and uh and uh, uh it was amicable, so luckily she gets to see the kids. That puts a fucking pit in your stomach. But the idea that he's lucky to see his kids. Oh. It's scary, man. The world is changing, I hope. I hope the world is changing quite a bit and I hope that Sentences like that sound weird. I hope it's weird that he's thankful to see his kids. That getting 50-50 custody is something you should be grateful for. That you should grovel at the feet of the law and your ex to be able to see your kids. And you should be thankful for that. The amount of power... No, not even... The amount of... The... (laughs) how little power a man has in in when it comes to the life of his kids that's crazy it's crazy scary anyway scary anyway in that same discord i pointed out that uh although we did talk a lot about family stuff how we did talk about obviously we got very personal about myself and uh, my own feelings about my family uh but like i said in the intro the whole point of the show was to show that even a comedy, if you look at it the right way, because stories are built the same way and really good horror movies are built just like every other movie that you could take a really well done movie and just look at it a different way because storytelling is the same. You want people in your story that are relatable. You want the stakes to be high. You want you want there to be danger. You want there. You want people to overcome. You want people to, to to fall and get back up. This is just it's just regular storytelling, and so that's why I could watch a family comedy and have the same emotions as as if I was watching a horror film, just because my perspective had changed. And I, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted people to talk about, oh, yeah, I saw a movie that I thought was a horror movie, but I thought it was, like, actually really funny because of... Uh, it's, it's like that that old... Uh, uh, when Get Out came out, uh, they were like, black communities think it's the, the scariest movie of all time, and white communities are like, eh, I 
was cool. I, I enjoyed it. It was fine. It, it had some funny parts. And it's like, yeah, because you aren't the victim in there. Your perspective uh, is way different than their perspective. And so you are watching a completely different movie because your perspective is different. Um, that was my favorite when I watched uh, when when I saw a discussion uh, about Get Out uh, from the white point of view and from the black point of view, and how they had watched wildly different films and how the white pe- uh, how how the white people who had watched the film uh, didn't find it very scary because there was because it didn't seem like there was a whole lot to lose the stakes weren't that high uh, and black and then obviously black. Uh, <laughs> Black audiences, uh, the people that were asked, were uh, thought it was horrifying because they absolutely felt the stress of really high stakes. Anyway, that's the type of thing I was uh, trying to get at. Uh, this is a family comedy movie, but if you look at it from a different point of view, this is as good as and scary as any other horror movie. And so I mentioned that uh, in the uh, in the Discord and said I definitely failed at <laughs> I failed at letting people know that that's what I was trying to do. Uh, and so, uh, and so then people came back in and like, yeah, we could try and talk about that a little bit. So Janathi said, uh, I'm not a big fan of horror movies, uh, despite being a longtime Stephen King fan. I always feel like a lot of horror movies use cheap tactics like jump scares or gore, and I don't find it scary. King always layers in other aspects. The Shining is a haunted hotel, but it's also about someone struggling with addiction. The Dark Tower is a crazy complex fantasy. But it's also about what if fate was a wheel you couldn't escape from and you spend all your existence reliving and suffering for mistakes you made. Some of his stories don't have any supernatural element at all. But I do definitely agree that the best scares are when you can identify with the character and can feel what they must be going through. Also, when you care about what happens to them. And real life can be plenty scary, even without the dying. I have anxiety. I know a bit about being terrified of plain old real life hardships. And I'm with you. I'm with you, Jen. Uh, and I think that's what I think that's what makes really good horror movies really good. There's the there's the schlock stuff, uh, the gore fests, where the writers seem to be like, "Hey, they're gonna die anyway, so who cares? Let's 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 make everybody either flat or unlikable because they're gonna be dead in 20 minutes anyway. There's no point in making you like them if we're just gonna kill everybody." And I I wholeheartedly disagree. I think a horror movie is way scarier if you're invested in the people that are dying. Uh, it, 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 it hits harder, it hurts more, and it's a lot scarier. And you are way more stressed when you watch someone you like go into a dangerous situation. I think it's what made Scream such an incredibly uh, uh, great movie because people thought they were going to go see a movie where uh, Drew Barrymore was the final girl. And they do a really great job uh, of uh, making her likable in the opening scene. Uh and then she dies and everybody's like, wait, what? But we love Drew Barrymore. And like, yeah, that's why that scene was great. That's why that movie was great. They kept doing that throughout the whole movie, throughout the entire series. Uh, by the way, if you haven't seen Scream, just watch everything Scream, including the TV show, uh, everything, every, every, everything. And watch it before the new Scream comes out in November so you can watch that too. I'm definitely going to go see that. Uh, but yes, uh, Jen, <coughs> uh, also Stephen King. I'm a big fan of Stephen King too. And we're going to end with this. Oh, God, how long has this been going? Holy shit, I'm so sorry, guys. This has been... I'm so, If you've made it this far, I love you. Uh, if you have made it this far, uh, find me on social media somewhere and, uh, and comment anywhere on any of the social medias. Comment. Um, 
Can I borrow 53 cents? Let's see. Let's see. Let's see who got this far. Can I borrow 53 cents? Uh, just put that anywhere. Put it on the Facebook, the Instagram. Uh, do it live on Twitch. Do it wherever you want. Put it. In, uh, put it on the the Patreon. Uh, while you go check out the Patreon and you go uh, maybe support us. Um, <clears throat> anywhere you want. Can I borrow fifty three cents? Go throw that somewhere to let me know that you've made it this far. Who boy? Um, so we are going to end on this. Uh, stupid monkey came back in and said, uh, uh, I can also help out with that horror movie thing. So stupid monkey says, what can be worse than the ultimate end? Lots of things. That's why the phrase a fate worse than death exists in culture. But when you're young, the things that scare us are both more and less complicated than as adults. The things that we relate to are different. And so we're scared of classically scary things. Things like the monster in the closet or creaking attic sounds. But when we grow up, we know that the monster in the closet is just a shadow of a hoodie falling off the hanger. The creaking attic is just a sign of a lazy builder. But the things we relate to, the things that affect us are different. Here you spoke about how a situation similar to your life, being a divorced dad, caused you to go on the same emotional roller coaster you would get from those scary movies when you were young. I'm not a fan of scary movies in general, not because they're scary, but I find them silly and gimmicky and can't relate to the characters. Why would you go in that room when you know there's a killer there? It's just not believable to me. But after a particularly bad depression episode a bit back, I just can't seem to watch any movie where a character goes through that. Even if I know it ends well or they get better, it doesn't matter. For me, it hits home too deep and is too familiar a feeling that I relate and tie to a bad period of my own life. The reverse of this is true as well, though. The first time I fell truly and deeply in love, I could understand those dumb songs or the stupid things people do for love in a movie. Our experiences in life affect the way we experience media and can change the way we react in new and different ways. Now, go and play the awesome theme song again. Thanks, Stupid Monkey. I will. Our theme music is provided by Double Experience. You can find the track Bill Murray everywhere you get music. The content that allows me to make this podcast is provided by my supporters at patreon.com slash nerdincorrect and on Discord and all over the socials. If you support us on Patreon, thank you. If you want to be part of that club, head on over to patreon.com slash nerdincorrect where you get early access to all of our podcasts, an exclusive podcast, and so much more. You can also join our Nerd Incorrect Discord server, The Incorrection, or subscribe to the YouTube channel by searching for Nerd Incorrect. If you want to continue contributing to the podcast, make sure to catch next week's episode of The Adventures We Have from Inside the House, and then drop your thoughts into our podcast-specific Discord channel or comment on the Patreon post of that episode. All comments on the Patreon will be featured, and if possible, all of the Discord comments too. I'm Tim Riel, thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week as we explore The Adventures We Have from inside the house. I'm uncool, I'm the uncool that everyone's built.
We all know that nobody reads But what's the use of words when nobody understands me? What's the point of trying to be someone that I can't be?